Section six of Atlantic Narratives Modern Short Stories published nineteen eighteen by the Atlantic Monthly Press. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Spirit of the Herd by Dallas Law Sharp. Read by Lynn Thompson. Part one. We were trailing the riders of Pea Ranch across the plains to a hollow in the hills called the Troughs, where they were to round up a lot of cattle for a branding. On the way, we fell in behind a bunch of some fifty cows and yearlings, which one of the riders had picked up, and, while he dashed off across the desert for a stray, we tenderfeet drove on the herd. It was hot, and the cattle lagged, so we urged them on. All at once I noticed that the whole herd was moving with a swinging, warping gait, with switching tails, and heads thrown round from side to side as if every steer were watching us. We were not near enough to see their eyes, but the rider, far across the desert, saw the movement and came cutting through the sage, shouting and waving his arms to stop us. We had pushed the driving too hard. Mutiny was spreading among the cattle, already manifest in a sullen, ugly temper, that would have brought the herd charging us in another minute, had not the cowboy galloped in between us just as he did. So untamed, unafraid, and instinctively savage is the spirit of the herd. It is this herd spirit that the cowboy, on his long, cross-desert drives to the railroad, most fears. The herd is like a crowd, easily led, easily excited easily stampeded when it becomes a mob of frenzied beasts past all control the spirit of the city gang at riot in the plains if one would know how thin is the coat of domestication worn by the tamest of animals let him ride with the cattle across the rimrock country of southeastern oregon no better chance to study the spirit of the herd could possibly be had and in contrast to the cattle how intelligent, controlled, almost human, seems the plainsman's horse. I share all the tenderfoot's admiration for the cowboy and his pony. Both of them are necessary in bringing 4,000 cattle through from Pea Ranch to Winnemucca, and of both is required a degree of daring and endurance, as well as a knowledge of the wild animal mind, which lifts their hard work into the heroic and makes of every drive a sagebrush epic so wonderful is the working together of man and horse a kind of centaur of the plains from pea ranch to winnemucca is a seventeen-day drive through a desert of rimrock and greasewood and sage which under the most favourable conditions is beset with difficulty but which in the dry season and with anything like four thousand cattle becomes an unbroken hazard more than all else on such a drive is feared the wild herd spirit the quick black temper which by one sign or another even threatens to break the spell of the rider's power and sweep the maddened or terrorized herd to destruction the handling of the herd to keep this spirit sleeping is oft-times a thrilling experience part two some time before my visit to pea ranch in the summer of 1912, the riders had taken out a herd of 4,000 steers on what proved to be one of the most difficult drives ever made to Winnemucca. 
For the first two days on the trail, the cattle were strange to each other, having been gathered from widely separated grazing grounds, from Double O and the home ranch, and were somewhat clannish and restive under the driving. At the beginning of the third day, signs of real trouble appeared. A shortage of water and the hot weather together began to tell on the temper of the herd. The third day was long and exceedingly hot. The line started forward at dawn, and all day kept moving, with the sun cooking the bitter smell of the sage into the air, and with sixteen thousand hoofs kicking up a still bitterer smother of alkali dust, which inflamed eyes and nostrils, and coated the very lungs of the cattle. The fierce desert thirst was upon the herd long before it reached the creek where it was to bed for the night. The heat and the dust had made slow work of the driving, and it was already late when they reached the creek, only to find it dry. This was bad. The men were tired, but the cattle were thirsty, and Wade, the boss of the buckaroos, pushed the herd on toward the next rim rock, hoping to get down to the plain below before the end of the slow desert twilight. Anything for the night but a dry camp. They had hardly started on when the whole flank of the herd, suddenly breaking away as if by prearrangement, tore off through the brush. The horses were as tired as the men, and before the chase was over, the twilight was grey in the sage, making it necessary to halt at once and camp where they were. They would have to go without water. The runaways were brought up and the herd closed in till it formed a circle nearly a mile around. This was as close as it could be drawn, for the cattle would not bed, lie down. They wanted water more than they wanted rest. Their eyes were red, their tongues raspy with thirst. The situation was a difficult one. But camp was made. Two of the riders were sent back along the trail to bring up the drags, while Wade, with his other men, circled the uneasy cattle, closing them in, quieting them, and doing everything possible to make them bed. They were thirsty, and instead of bedding, the herd began to growl, a distant mutter of throats, low, rumbling, ominous, as when faint thunder rolls behind the hills. Every plainsman fears the growl, for it too often is a prelude to the milling, as it proved to be now, when the whole vast herd began to stir, slowly, singly at first and without direction, till at length it moved together, round and round a great compact circle, the multitude of clicking hoofs, of clashing horns and chafing sides, like the sound of rushing rain across a field of corn. Nothing could be worse for the cattle. The cooler twilight was falling, but, mingling with it, rose and thickened and spread a choking dust from their feet, which soon covered them, and shut from sight all but the wall of the herd. Slowly, evenly, swung the wall, round and round, without a break. Only one who has watched a milling herd can know its suppressed excitement. To keep that excitement in check was the problem of Wade and his men, and the night had not yet begun. When the riders had brought in the drags, and the chuck-wagon had lumbered up with supper, Wade set the first watch. Along with the wagon had come some fresh horses, among them Peroxide Jim, a supple, powerful, clean-limbed buckskin that had, I think, as fine and intelligent an animal face as any creature I ever saw. And why should he not have been saved fresh 
for just such a need as this are there not superior horses as well as superior men a peroxide gym to compliment a wade the horse plainly understood the situation wade told me and though there was nothing like sentiment for horseflesh about the boss of the pea ranch riders his faith in peroxide jim was absolute the other night horses were saddled and tied to the wheels of the wagon it was wade's custom to take his turn with the second watch but shifting his saddle to peroxide jim he rode out with the four of the first watch who evenly spaced were quietly circling the herd the night for this part of the high desert was unusually warm it was close still and without a sky the near thick darkness blotted out the stars there is usually a breeze at night over these highest rim rock plains which no matter how hot the day may have been crowds the cattle together for warmth tonight not a breath stirred the sage as wade wound in and out among the bushes the hot dust stinging his eyes and caking rough on his skin round and round moved the weaving shifting forms out of the dark and into the dark a gray spectral line like a procession of ghosts of some morris dance of the desert's sheeted dead but it was not a line it was a sea of forms not a procession but the even surging of a maelstrom of hoofs a mile around wade galloped out on the plain for a breath of air and a look at the sky a quick cold rain would quiet them but there was not a feel of rain in the darkness no smell of it on the air only the powdery taste of the bitter sage the desert where the herd was camped was one of the highest of a series of tablelands or benches it lay as level as a floor rimmed by a sheer wall of rock from which there was a drop to the bench of sage below the herd had been headed for a pass and was now halted within a mile of the rim rock on the east where there was a perpendicular fall of about three hundred feet it was the last place an experienced plainsman would have chosen for a camp and every time wade circled the herd and came in between the cattle and the rim he felt the nearness of the precipice the darkness helped to bring it near the height of his horse brought it near he seemed to look down from his saddle over it into the dark depths the herd in its milling was surely warping slowly in the direction of the rim but this was all fancy the trick of the dark and of nerves if a plainsman has nerves at twelve o'clock the first guard came in and woke the second watch wade had been in the saddle since dawn but this was his regular watch more than that his trained ear had timed the milling hoofs the movement of the herd had quickened if now he could keep them going and prevent them taking any sudden fright they must not stop until they stopped from utter weariness safety lay in their continued motion so the fresh riders flanked them closely paced them and urged them quietly on they must be kept milling and they must be kept from fright in the taut silence of the stirless desert night with the tension of the herd at the snapping point any quick unwanted sight or sound would stampede them the sneezing of a horse the flare of a match would be enough to send the whole four thousand headlong blind frenzied trampling till spent and scattered over the plain and so as he rode wade began to sing the rider ahead of him took up the air and passed it on until above the stepping stir of the hoofs rose the faint voices of the men 
and all the herd was bound about by the slow plaintive measures of some old song it was not to soothe their savage breasts that the riders sang to the cattle but to prevent the shock of their hearing any loud and sudden noise so they sang and rode and the night wore on to one o'clock when wade coming up on the rimrock side felt a cool breeze fan his face and caught a breath of fresh moist wind and the taste of water in it he checked his horse instantly listening as the wind swept past him over the cattle but they must already have smelled it for they had ceased their milling the whole herd stood motionless the indistinct forms close to him in the dark showing their bold faces lifted to drink the sweet wet breath that came over the rim then they started again but faster and with a rumbling from their hoarse throats that tightened wade's grip on the reins the sound seemed to come out of the earth a low rumbling mumble as dark as the night and as wide as the plain a thick inarticulate bellow that stood every rider stiff in his stirrups the breeze caught the dust and carried it back from the gray-coated ghostly shapes and wade saw that the animals were still moving in a circle if he could keep them going he touched his horse to ride on with them when across the black sky flashed a vivid streak of lightning there was a snort from the steers a quick clap of horns and hoofs from far within the herd a tremor of the plain a roar a surging mass and wade was riding the flank of a wild stampede before him behind him beside him pressing hard upon his horse galloped the frenzied steers and beyond them a multitude borne on and bearing him on by the heave of the galloping herd wade was riding for his life he knew it his horse knew it he was riding to turn the herd too back from the rim as the horse also knew the cattle were after water water mad ready to go over the precipice to get it carrying horse and rider with them wade was the only rider between the herd and the rim it was black as death he could see nothing in the sage could scarcely discern the pounding panting shadows at his side but he knew by the swish of the brush and the plunging of the horse that the ground was growing stonier that they were nearing the rocks to outrun the stampede was his only chance if he could come up with the leaders he might yet head them off upon the plain and save the herd there were cattle still ahead of him how many what part of the herd he could not tell but the horse knew the reins hung on his straight neck while wade yelling and firing into the air gave him the race to win to lose suddenly they veered and went high in the air as a steer plunged headlong into a draw almost beneath their feet they cleared the narrow ravine landed on bare rock and reeled on they were riding the rim close to their left bore down the flank of the herd and on their right under their very feet was a precipice so close that they felt its blackness its three hundred feet of fall a piercing half-human ball of terror told where a steer had been crowded over would the next leap carry them after him then wade found himself racing neck and neck with a big white steer which the horse with marvellous instinct seemed to pick from a bunch and to cling to forcing him gradually ahead till cutting him free from the bunch entirely he bore him off into the sage 
the group coming on behind followed its leader and in after them swung others the tide was turning within a short time the whole herd had veered and bearing off from the cliffs was pounding over the open plains whose race was it peroxide jim's according to wade but not by word or touch of hand or knee had he been directed in the run from the flash of the lightning the horse had taken the bit and covered an indescribably perilous path at top speed had outrun the herd and turned it from the edge of the rim rock without a false step or a tremor bred on the desert broken at the round-up trained to think steer as his rider thinks it the horse knew as swiftly as clearly as his rider the work before him but that he kept himself from fright that none of the wild herd madness passed into him is a thing for wonder he was as thirsty as any animal of the herd he knew his own peril i believe as none of the herd had ever known anything and yet such coolness courage wisdom and power was it training was it more intimate association with the man on his back and so a further remove from the wild thing which domestication does not seem to touch or was it all suggestion the superior intelligence above riding not the flesh but the spirit end of story biographical and interpretive notes by charles swain thomas dallas law sharp well known as a keen observer both of nature and of human nature is professor of english at boston university I have asked permission to extract this episode from a longer article Professor sharp was as generous in this as he has been helpful in other matters relating to selections Which make up this volume of narratives in paragraphs which precede the present beginning are expository in nature and While they bear interestingly upon the incident they are not a necessary part of the narrative the selection breathes the very atmosphere of the highly hazardous adventure and even though the writer quickly generates in us a feeling of confidence in the superior powers of ranchman wade and peroxide jim we nevertheless restlessly live through the moments of a wild stampede as it makes its mad and frightened way along the perilous edge of the rim rock end of section six